Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I'm joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, we are going to finish our lineup series. We looked at the forwards, the top six, the bottom six. You can find those on previous Flyers Talk podcasts. Today, we're going to tackle defense. A ton to talk about on the blue line. Joe, let's start right off with Ryan Ellis. It does not appear like he will be ready for the season opener, or at least for the start of training camp. As we all know, he's dealing with a multi-layer injury in his pelvic region. He played only four games last season. I think the goal, or at least probably a real hopeful goal, was that he would be ready for training camp. But it sounds like he is not going to be ready. John Tortorella told me in July that he said he'd be lying if he thought he would be ready for the start of camp. He said he wasn't sure that he believed Ryan Ellis wasn't sure either. And recently he told Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com that it sounds like he will not be ready for the start of the season. So we're going to project the D pairs without Ryan Ellis in those pairs right now. But Joe, let's go from top pair to second pair to third pair. We'll start with the first pair. Who do you got going into this season? Yeah, so Jordan, first off, just the crypticness of which this Ryan Ellis situation continues to unfold or not really unfold um, is kind of unique. I don't I don't remember ever there being a long-term injury like this where you really don't hear anything about it. Um, I mean, it's we do this every day, so we don't forget. But you could forget that he signed with the Flyers last season, before last season. I mean, he was there four games. And then you really didn't hear much throughout the rest of the season. Um, and it's just it's, – it's, it's a little bit bizarre, quite frankly. Um, so to even make or think of any plans of him playing, um, I think would be premature because uh, we're not hearing anything about workouts. We're not hearing anything about him getting on the ice or – really any of this and all we're hearing from the team is that he's not going to be ready for camp so if he's not going to be ready for camp after this amount of time how could you possibly assume that he's going to be ready to play so i'll start with my top pair and i'm going to say it's ivan provrov and tony d'angelo um provrov has been on the top pair for this team for a number of years now uh he's had his ups and downs um to me one of his downs is I don't think he is a natural quarterback of a power play. In Insert Tony D'Angelo. Quarterback the power play for one of the best teams in the NHL last year in Carolina. And I think that's, um, that, that's really what you want on a top pair is Provorov can be sound defensively while providing offense. And D'Angelo... I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's a defensive defenseman. I'm not saying he's bad at it, but what I am saying is the part of D'Angelo's game that stands out to you is definitely his offense. And I feel like with D'Angelo on the top pair with Provorov, there'll be less pressure on Provorov to generate offense. So um, that to me, there's not really another way to go here with the top pair other than Provorov and D'Angelo. And we've seen – Different partners on the top pair bring out different aspects of Provorov's game in the last few years when we've seen him dip, play with different players, both good and bad. Um, 
So I'm anxious to see what D'Angelo brings out, assuming that that's the top pair. Um, so we'll see. But that's my top pair, Provorov and D'Angelo. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo is really linked to Ryan Ellis because I think the Flyers went out and got D'Angelo because they knew of the uncertainty around Ryan Ellis. And I remember when Ryan Ellis spoke to us at the end of April about how they finally figured out what was really going on. They finally figured out a method to tackle this and rehab it throughout the offseason. And his goal was to be ready for camp. It just felt almost like this was going to hinge on everything going perfectly. And this injury just sounds totally very complex, very imperfect. Nothing uh, would go it, – it doesn't sound like there was anything that would go – perfectly to plan it's just not that type of injury it's not like a broken bone where it heals and you can project it um down to a a strict you know week to week basis or whatever it may be this was an injury that was complex and there was a lot of unknowns and the team went out and got tony d'angelo a righty shot defenseman that could plug a hole if ryan ellis isn't ready and if any fans have any serious doubt about ryan ellis's future here i wouldn't blame him i i think ryan ellis would be a really good flyer if his body was cooperating. I think people would really like him and the way in which he plays and how serious he goes about his business and what he does on the ice. But his just his body's not cooperating probably the way he really wants it to. And he said he had never dealt with anything like this. So this is all new to him. And the rehab is obviously taking longer than expected uh, or is longer than hoped. And um, yeah, the, the, the injury is serious. There's a lot of unknowns and, uh, I wouldn't blame anyone for not knowing exactly what's going to happen here because yeah, it's, it's not like it, we're, we're not really hearing that he's at the facility, at least on the ice right now, where you're starting to see some pictures posted by the team's Twitter account. You're starting to mm-hmm. hear people, you know, and we're hearing that players are trickling in and getting in for early workouts. And yeah, right I mean, now, it like Sean Couturier was on the ice yesterday. They sent out, um, it was either on Instagram or Twitter or both of them. But uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, it looks like players are, that's kind of what I was talking about when I first, you're seeing players trickle in, you're seeing pictures come out. There's been a lot of that kind of stuff and ne- it's never Ryan Ellis. And that's what I mean about it. It's, it's very um, mysterious. I don't really know what the other word is. I mean, there's not anybody that knows what's going on, really, um, other than, you know, the area of the injury. Um, yeah. I mean, we're – it seems like everybody's in the dark. Yeah, and I had a feeling when we talked to Ryan Ellis, he was going to go away this summer and – or, you know, go where he had to go for rehab. He said he would be in numerous places. He'd be all over the – be all over the place in terms of going to and from spots for rehab and treatment and obviously checkups – I had a feeling he would go away and it would be very quiet throughout the offseason. And it has. The only times we've really heard about it is when we have a chance to talk to the general manager and ask him about it. And the GM didn't sugarcoat it. Chuck Fletcher admitted that there was a lot of uncertainty about where he would be after July. Uh, July was an important month where they were going to ramp it up. And clearly it probably isn't going as quickly as they would have liked. And uh, I think they're now shifting gears to hoping he can play at some point 
early on in the season. But uh, as far as him being on the ice and uh, gearing up to go with everyone else for training camp, doesn't sound like that's likely at all. And that's why Tony D'Angelo, I think, was brought in. I think that they wanted to be deeper on defense this year, period. But he gives you a good insurance plan. Joe, I'm very curious as to how the relationship will work behind between Ivan Provorov and Tony D'Angelo. That's my top pair as well. I think it makes the most sense. It's a lefty-righty shot. D'Angelo can uh, move the puck. Provorov's a puck mover as well. I think they can they can get the Flyers going the right way up the ice, uh, something they haven't the team hasn't done over the past two years. But you have to get along with each other. And I'm not saying these two aren't going to get along, but it's an important relationship. You're playing a ton of minutes together, and I thought Provorov and Ellis – had started to build a really good relationship early on last season, and then they haven't been able to be back together. Uh, D'Angelo and Provorov are two really competitive guys, guys uh, that put a lot of pride into their game, a lot on their shoulders. And I'm not saying they're not going to get along. I'm just curious to see it unfold. I'm curious to see how they will communicate and uh, how they will uh, develop chemistry off the ice, on the ice. But two guys that I think are going to really – compete and want to be on the ice at all times. And I think that's appealing to me if you're a Flyers fan. For sure. Um, and, I, and I think – I know there is some baggage with D'Angelo. Um, but what I will say is this is a player who right out of the gates uh, upon signing talked about how this has always a dream, been a dream come true and – um, you know, he grew up a Flyers fan and all all of those sort of things that he put out on social media. And I will say that if he plays well, I feel like he could become a fan favorite. And I don't know if I would say make people forget about what has come out in the past. And there was clearly some opinions and things shared that became public that people didn't like. And, and I'm not saying that they're going to forget all that. But what I am saying is um, that – his play on the ice doing the talking, I definitely think that could uh, kind of make some people change their tune on D'Angelo. Um, and on top of the fact that he is a um, – it's been a while since I think we've seen that level of excitement from a free agent signee here. Um, so – I do think that, that that a portion of the fan base is going to appreciate that, that he was excited to come here um, because, you know, it's been a lean couple of years and I don't know that we've really heard a lot of talk about it being excited to come here. Cam Atkinson was definitely positive, of course, before last season. So, um, you know, positivity never hurts uh, about being here. I agree. The team lost 57 games last year. So you're, you know, you're <laughs> – you're dealing with players that might not know what the heck to think now that they're coming here and thinking, well, gosh, where is this team headed? Do I fit? How long is it going to take for us to win? And by all accounts, Tony D'Angelo was pretty darn excited because he's a South Jersey, South Philly guy. He said it was a dream. So yeah, absolutely. I think that can't hurt. And I think it's fair to wait and see if he has matured and he's starting to really value the moment, value being in the NHL a lot more than what he did early on in his career. And we all know the past. He, he was suspended at the junior hockey level for using a racial slur one time. Uh, he says he, he'll never use it again. He apologized. Uh, and then with the Rangers, things ended very contentiously. 
Uh, obviously, there was a lot of friction there between players, uh, his teammates, and then also management. Uh, but went to Carolina, and a guy like Rob Brindamore thought very highly of him. So I thought that spoke volumes. A guy like Rob Brindamore, who gets guys to play hard, gets demands their respect, and he got that out of Tim D'Angelo. And as you mentioned, Joe, he, he played on one of the best teams in hockey, by far the best defensive team, and a team with the best PK. Uh, obviously he was used for some of his offensive strengths, but he, he did play top pair minutes, put up points, was a plus 30 and did a lot of the right thing. So I think it's fair to wonder if he is mature and he's starting to really value being in the league. And also I think he'll value playing for the flyers. He'll, he'll, he'll remind himself, Hey, this is a dream. This is what we wanted to do. Yep. Let's uh, let's make people proud and not make them regret uh, Tony D'Angelo being a flyer. Right, and I think that he'll know that people are going to be watching out for him. Guys that have strikes in their past like that have have kind of these – I don't know if you would call them stains on their record because it's not like the guy – it's not like he was, you know, arrested or, you know, uh, convicted of, of crimes. That's Those are obvious things. These are sort of like under-the-surface things that have gotten out about him and you know a lot of them are political in nature and that seems to be super divisive at this point in time in our country it just is so you would hope none of that enters into the equation here um there were seemingly no reports of it last year and no friction with that team as you mentioned rod brindamore um thought highly of him and and i i don't think i think rod is one of the more respected voices in this game right now, respected coaches, respected voices. So, um, you know, I, that stuff from the past is never going to go away, but he knows it too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he knows kind of uh, a lot of eyes are on him and, you know, he might not get a ton of other chances if he doesn't show that he's mature. So, at this point. So that's all you can hope for at this point in time. Yeah. I'm sure he was incredibly grateful that he got a one-year deal in Carolina and that was a one-year deal for, you know, I think it was close to the league minimum. Uh, he wasn't making much. I, I would have to double check that, but he wasn't making much and he was on a one-year deal. Yeah. I thought and it was like, like not about 900,000. Yeah. It might've been around there. Yep. Right around a million. Yeah. Not even a mil. And uh, so, yeah, I'm sure he was grateful for that. And right now he's, you know, he's still 26 and he's playing, you know, he's on a two-year deal. It's not like he's locked up long-term where life is going to be great. You know, he's got to continue to prove himself and earn another contract. I think that's ultimately what goes into players' minds a lot is where are they from a contract uh, perspective? And, you know, they, they need to earn everything uh, the next season. So I think D'Angelo will be in a spot here where he'll be pushed by Ivan, Pro Ivan Provrov, he'll be pushed by John Tortorella, and he seems like he's a guy that wants to be challenged and pushed, and we'll see how it works out. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, shifting gears to the second pair, who do you have on that second pair? So there were not many things that were consistent last season with this team. Um, but one of them to me was Sanheim and Ristolainen. They have to be the second pair. Um, I think the team likes them as a pair. I think Travis Sanheim took a big step last year. And Rasmus Ristolainen did enough to earn a, a contract extension um, from Chuck Fletcher, of course, after he traded a first-round pick for him 
last offseason. So um, I, if it's not broke, why fix it? And I think you have to keep those two together on that second pair. Um, they seem to have a good mix. Uh, they were seemed to be a good meshing partnership last year. Um, they played well together. In a season where they're full of things that were not – that didn't fit well together uh, and guys that didn't play well together – uh, and inconsistency in the lineup, they seem to be consistent. So I think you have to take any sort of positive consistency and hold on to it going into this season. And to me, that's the second defense pair with Sanheim and Ristolainen for sure. I agree. I think it makes the most sense. Travis Sanheim was absolutely a bright spot in a dark season last year for the Flyers. And I found it very interesting that he said at his end-of-the-season press conference that Rasmus Ristolainen made him – better defensively in terms of playing more of a physical brand of defense. I think he made Sanheim a little more confident in his physical game because he said Rasmus Ristolainen is kind of a guy that drags you into the fight. So I just found it interesting because Rasmus Ristolainen receives a lot of flack, I think, from fans and hockey folks that obviously look at his metrics, uh, some of his advanced metrics, and think he's just a tough guy that likes to push people around. But Sanheim, who was the team's most improved player, and their Barry Ashboard, Barry Ashby Award winner for best defenseman, gave credit to Rasmus Ristolainen for making him a better player. So uh, I think those two did complement each other well in terms of Sanheim could play a little more freely, could carry the puck up ice. We know what he can do with his length and his legs. And Ristolainen's a guy that isn't really a stay-at-home guy. He's got some offensive upside, but he's a guy that's going to really play hard in the defensive end. He's going to check. He's going to look to hit people. Uh, he's going to look to be a presence, and I think those two style of plays complement each other well. I don't see any reason why to break them up, at least not right now. Uh, if you have some hiccups down the line or at least early in the season where you think chemistry can be better or it could be more balanced, maybe you break them up because uh, I think those two can maybe scale the lineup a little bit. Sanham, I think, has got some top pair ability, and rest of the line is a guy that can maybe slide down and play lesser minutes or – you know, he had a lot of minutes on his plate in Buffalo. So I think there's some versatility there. But right now, I see no reason why to go away from those two. Yeah, I agree. And also, if you want to look, look at a team in a, in a, a rebuild process, um, you want to see – you want guys that are new to the team to see a guy that they say, that's a good teammate. He's going to be there to stick up for me, vice versa. And we saw several times last year – Ristolainen was never, I mean, sometime to his own detriment, was never um, not willing to stick up for his teammates. Uh, and, you know, that's, th this team needs that as much as anything else. And I'll commend him. He, <laughs> he has mentioned how he has never played in the playoffs ever in his career. And he's been in the league for a while now. He's 27, but he, he came up as a teenager in Buffalo and obviously went through a ton of turnover with the Sabres. He mentioned he thinks he's a playoff player. He wants to play in the playoffs, and he chose to resign here. And he took a bit of a pay, he, not not a major pay cut, but he took less money from his previous deal. So I think he wants to be here. He wants to be a flyer, uh, and he likes the situation here in terms of just the organization and teammates and who he played with and Travis Sanheim. So I think that does say a lot that because believe it or not, uh, you know, depending on how you feel about the player in terms of what he does. A lot of people in hockey like him. A lot of people in front offices like the way he plays. They think he brings an element that 
uh, a lot of teams find it tough to find in terms of in-your-face defense, in-your-face type of teammate. A lot of people like that. He probably could have tested the market. Uh, The Flyers didn't trade him. They wanted him here. And it turns out he wanted to be here. So I think that does say a lot, given where the Flyers were last season and the fact that this guy really wants to play in the playoffs. He thinks there's something here. Uh, That's a good sign. Joe, third pair, who do you got? Obviously, we are keeping Ryan Ellis out of the equation. So it seems like Cam York might be stepping up to the plate. Who do you have? So I'm going to say, first off, I'm saying you don't bring Justin Braun back to not play. So to me, he's on the third pair with Cam York. And I will say the the potential is there with a, a number of other guys to be an extra defenseman. Um, Nick Sealer, we saw him play a lot last season. Uh, Obviously, Ronnie Adder, we saw him at the end of last season. Um, So those are are guys that I think the Flyers are pretty high on Ronnie Adder. And Sealer is a guy that you can plug in the lineup and, you know, he's not going to ruin the day for you. So but, yeah, I'm going to say York and Braun for that third pair to start the season because at this point in time, York, to me, has shown enough to he, – he has to start the season on the, on, on the NHL roster. And that's another guy that can play perhaps and likely on that second power play unit as the quarterback because we I really liked what I saw from him on the power play last season. I think Kim York has to be here as well, Joe, and I had the same third pair. I know we're – I think the defense kind of shook out the way we thought it would. Um, we we agree on all three of our pairs. Yeah, I have Cam York with Justin Braun. I think it's time for Cam York now. I think he's shown plenty. He's not a rookie anymore. He's played enough games. And Cam York's a very important player to management. He was the first ever draft pick of this regime under Brent Flair and Chuck Fletcher. And right now, I think the management's in a bit of a prudent mode too. They need to start winning over the fan base again. Uh, they obviously need to get the team going in the right direction. And Cam York's a the guy they can kind of put out there and say, hey, remember, we drafted this guy. This guy is only 21, and we think he's going to be a very good puck-moving defenseman that's going to put up points, and he's ready now. So it's a good way to kind of put him in there. I don't think they would ever put him in there if he wasn't ready. I think they believe he's ready. But he's also a very important player to showcase and show fans, hey, We think there's some excitement here on the back end. We think there's some excitement with our youth. And Cam York is kind of at the front of that, driving this thing forward. I think it's time for him. And I think putting him on the third pair is not too much pressure. Playing him with a guy like Justin Braun, who's a vet, who's a stay-at-home guy, it's going to be good to play with. I think it's a good spot for him. And if he proves he can get more on his plate, move him up the lineup. But I think uh, third pair is a good spot. And I think, Joe, exactly what you said, I think guys like Ronnie Yatter is going to push for time young player that they also drafted. Nick Taylor is a very valuable extra defenseman. I think he's a guy that's going to go in there and not hurt you, like you said, Joe. I had no problem with them bringing him back. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to find other extra defensemen that value the role like Nick Sealer. Like A lot of those extra D-men are guys that are happy to be here. They're going to be good teammates, and they're going to play their butts off when they get in there. I think Nick Sealer's going to do that. Uh, so I think he'll fill that role nicely. And then you have guys like Kevin Connaughton, Igor Zamula is going to be pushing for time. So I think there's some nice little depth there. I, to me, I think defense could be a strength. If you're looking for strengths and things to be positive about, I think defense could be it. Cause I think the team's got talent there. 
I think they have some youth. They have some guys still, I think, hitting peaks. And uh, they have some some uh, vets, too. And I think they're going to play hard in front of Carter Hart and, uh, and at least prevent goals better than what they did last year. So to me, if you're looking for a strength, I think it could be defense. Yeah, I agree. Defense and goaltending. And if you build out from there, I always think with there's ways to build your team. And if you don't have a superstar forward, I think you have to build from your own zone out. In baseball, I think you have to build up the middle of the field, catching, pitching, center field, shortstop. You need yeah. there. There's pillars on a team that you can't get wrong to be successful. And in hockey, defense and goaltending are – I mean, we saw the New Jersey Devils have a dynasty, and they didn't really have a superstar forward. But what they did have was a superstar goaltender. They had a Hall of Fame defenseman, a couple Hall of Fame defensemen, defensemen I should say, in Scott Niedermeyer and Scott Stevens, uh, and obviously Martin Brodeur. So you can win without superstar forwards if you build from your own crease out. Yeah. And like you said, that's what it looks like the Flyers have as a foundation here to go from. And you have a coach who we've seen coach a good style where they protect their own net. Yeah. So it's a, it's a start for sure, and maybe even more than just a start. Absolutely. And I think the Flyers are hoping hoping that Ryan Ellis can some at some point can come back. And if they if he comes back, then suddenly you're a ton you're a ton deeper on defense, I, I, like you said, at a cr critical position uh, in terms of protecting your goalie, uh, preventing goals, something the Flyers have not done over the last two years. So if Ryan Ellis comes back, suddenly you're looking at like a player like Cam York maybe being out of the picture or Justin Braun being an extra. And like that's that's good depth. But uh, that obviously a lot of that hinges on Ryan Ellis' health. And, and right now before, you know, before rookie camp and before training camp, there's just not a lot of known – facts on how Ryan Ellis is doing. We just don't know how he's doing. Uh, and we'll probably find out more uh, when camp is in session and uh, and the Flyers are starting to talk a little bit more about what's going on with Ryan Ellis. Uh, but right now, this is the way we think uh, the defense could shake out. And uh, the Flyers will need it to be a strength. They're going to need it to be a lot better than what it has been over the last two years. Well, Joe, this was fun looking at the lineup. I feel like we're going to look at the lineup every single day. I'm sure when I see you in the newsroom, we're going to be talking about the lineup. I'm sure uh, when we get on this podcast throughout the season, we will be talking about the lineup. But it was fun to look at it now before uh, training camp rolls uh, rolls up here in September because it's getting a lot closer. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. Thanks so much as always. Ben Berry, a big thank you to our podcast producer for being flexible with our time as always. And Flyers fans, of course. Last but not least, thank you so much for less listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.